Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? Hey, David. Never in doubt, eh? <laughs> Never for a second. Jump to the early lead and just cruise on to victory. If if there was ever a game <laughs> where the team deserved to come back, man, the mm-hmm. Capitals deserved to come back in that game. They just... They took over that game. I mean, the the grade A shots, the grade A shots, Bruce. We had them at uh, sixteen to eight for the Caps, doubling the Oilers' total. Is that Cat Stevens? Sixteen to eight. But mm-hmm. um, the Oilers had one, two, three, four, five. Five of the first seven chances were the Oilers. You know, right. jumping out to that big lead. Five of the first seven chances, grade A's chances were Edmonton. And after that, it's just one Caps chance after another and there's there's a one chance in the entire second period for the Oilers and um the next chance for the Oilers is the, the scoring sequence where um they 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 win the game in the third period you know with 4 minutes left so that's a pretty long dry spell with one scoring chance more than half the game i think oh. like 40 minutes anyway uh, they did win, and it was it was fantastic uh, to to win a game against a good team like that. Let's do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers I, podcast. I got it at Forty-five minutes, David, with one great A shot. Yeah, there you 10 go. Ten-minute mark of the first period, the yeah. five-minute mark of the third left. Wow. On the clock. Forty-five minutes. And they have one. And what are the shot. and the Caps had like a zillion? Ten. Yeah. Ten seven. In, seven in the second. They had the last three of the first. It was seven to one in the second, and they had the first two of the third. So it was a twelve to, to one. one run. run. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying, yeah, the Cavs deserve to come back in that game, and the Oilers were lucky to win it. Mm-hmm. You know what? The Oilers have won, lost some games, so I, you know, that they deserve to win. And this is this happens in hockey, and they 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 won one here that they probably didn't deserve to win, but it's still a win, and that's fantastic. Two good, two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast. Bruce, we'll do two good things each. Why don't you start it off? Okay, well, I'm going to go with tonight's scoring and general all-around game hero, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, I thought he had a very fine game. Uh, I was I was uh, seriously note-taking on his fine penalty killing uh, earlier in the game. He had one, there was one penalty kill shift that he was just fantastic where he... Uh, he uh, won the puck, got it down into uh, 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 Washington territory and created something down there. And then he came all the way back to his own zone, won another battle and cleared the zone and got off. And and he was just the uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, he had an assist on the power play uh, power play goal by the order score to make it three nothing. Then he scored the. Uh, shorthanded game winner when the Oilers were in desperate need of uh, just a penalty kill you're hoping for, 3-3 tie, four minutes to go in the third period, and they have to kill a penalty. And, I mean, I bet you a lot of Oilers feeling had, fans had the same sinking feeling in their stomach that I had at that point, that here, you know, that penalty is going to 
going to torpedo the ship and it's going to be a late power play goal. And that was that. Well, instead, there was a late shorthanded goal on a brilliant two-man thrust by Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins with the uh, Nuge doing the final honours of tapping it home. And credit to both guys for going to the damn net. Hyman went there and found the loose puck. Nuge went there and found the pass and tapped it in. And then uh, just to uh, finish off his night, he uh, sank one into the empty net, five on six. So three points for Nuge, none of them in five on five. And people criticize his five on five (coughs) scoring. Well, if he can score three points in other man situations, and I'm prepared to uh, forgive the... uh, uh, the 5v5, but uh, he was uh, a huge difference maker in this game and uh, rightfully awarded the game's first star. He and Hyman uh, seem to be a really strong pair on the PK, don't they? They they um, both really smart players, and um, they're getting the job done. It was it was Nuge and Kara last year, right, on the teaming up together on the PK, and um, uh, they mostly, were they, yeah. they were pretty good too. But Hyman's um, stepped right in there. Hyman's really good with the puck, eh? When he he's got some moves, he's always trying to take it to the net. That the yeah. scoring play, I think we'd be uh, remiss. I think is the word if we didn't mention that Evan Bouchard kicked that off with yes. a nice battle one uh, mm-hmm. in the defensive zone I, and getting the puck up. Pass. So. Yeah, he dumped yeah. it into the neutral zone where Hyman could skate onto it, mm-hmm. and so he he uh, made up for his pass to the other team on the first Washington goal. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. That was a that was an uggo play by uh, Evan Bouchard. Uh, my good thing, Bruce. My top good thing was the play of Vander of Evander Kane. I thought he had his. You know, he's just getting back into it. Third mm-hmm. game with the Oilers, and I thought he had his best game yet. And um, he starts it off. This is I, like. Again, when he was coming into town, I didn't have much of a thought of Evander Kane, although I've seen him play many times mm-hmm. in both, you know, in, in his various cities that he's been in. Especially in San Jose. You can kind of see why. Like, if this is the way he scores his goals, they're not exactly uh, charging up the ice, breaking in on the goalie and deking him. He seems to be more a, t- a tip machine, and he, it was a beautiful tip shot that uh, that got his goal. I mean, it, it just really was. There was some really smart puck movement off the draw. McDavid. Um, to uh, Cody Cece, who put it back to Keith, walked the line a little bit, put it on net, and and Kane tips it in. A very smart face-off play, which I would say is something that it's kind of missing, generally speaking, from the Oilers' repertoire as as compared to some other teams. I don't know how many goals the Oilers score off the face-off. I don't seem to recall a whole ton of a lot of them. But maybe that's about to change. Like, Kane was on a team, San Jose, that absolutely specializes, if you ask me, in set plays and Outside shots being tipped in. Tipped I mean, in, it's, yeah. It's their whole freaking game, and they're really good remember, at it. Remember one game, San Jose beat the Oilers. I think it was six to three, and either all six or the first five of the six were scored on deflections, and it was just that it was. I mean, it was it was a, a masterpiece from their perspective and a nightmare from from Edmonton. So I still remember it. Kane's next really good play came in the. Uh, I'm gonna, and I'm going to just talk about three offensive plays that he made. His he, his next really good one came in the second period. Cody Ceci made a very nice defensive stop at the blue line and passed it down low. I think it was to Kane and ya- Kane. And he and Yamamoto just kind of exchanged the puck once or twice before Kane was able to set up Yamamoto for a one-timer shot 
in the uh, in the slot, and it was a very it was the only dangerous shot in that 45 minute time yes. period for the Oilers. So um, you know, Yamamoto wasn't able to score, but it was a it was a good moment. And then uh, the final one is when the net is um, empty. He mm-hmm. was able to dig the puck out, loft it into the air to Nugent Hopkins at center ice, and Nugent put it in the net. So three really fine offensive plays. But honestly, the play that really won me over, and I'm a sucker for this, Bruce, like is when he stood up for Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Um, after McDavid got rocked in a what I would call a collision and maybe even an inadvertent collision as opposed to a hit. I don't think Hathaway was trying to nail Connor McDavid with a hit. They were both just kind of charging in the same direction for the same puck and they smashed into each other. That's how I saw that play. The Oilers didn't, they did not see it that way and they immediately start to go after Hathaway, which they should, like the superstar gets bashed. It doesn't matter how it happens, you go after them. Yamamoto slashes, but Kane was like right in his right in his grill looking to fight him and would have fought him if, if Hathaway had taken the challenge. Hathaway's probably thinking, why should I have to fight? I just... Maybe you saw this differently, Bruce, but he's probably thinking, why should I have to fight? I I collided with the guy. I didn't, like, I didn't even mean to hit him. Uh, but anyway, and then Cassian, glad he didn't get a penalty there. Mm-hmm. Tried to get a fight a little bit later. But I, li- I really like Kane's response. I think it's important to have a player playing with Connor McDavid who will do that. And it's why, Bruce, the Oilers don't need anymore to have Zach Cassian move up the lineup, which is a really good thing because... Cassian is not an up the lineup player anymore. If he if he ever was, um, he isn't that anymore. And um, you, you need so, someone to to fulfill that role with McDavid or with Drysaddle. And Evander Kane looks to be the bad guy, you know, for the Edmonton Oilers, the villain uh, that the other team might hate. And we got a little taste of that there. Yeah, well, he had he was credited with seven hits in this game, Vander Kane. Yeah. But the two hits that I remember, he was on the receiving end of both of them. He got rocked by oh, Hathaway yeah. over the boards and into the bench, and his skates came up and over. And then Hathaway pushed him into the bench when his skates were flailing. And poor number ninety-one on the bench got got the heel of yeah. Kane's stick right in the top of the helmet. Luckily, he ducked the right way and didn't get it, you know, facial or worse. I mean, you see those those blades flailing away in, in the bench. So that was a scary moment in the game. But then uh, Dmitry Orlov just smashed Kane in the open ice very late in the oh, second yeah. period. And he went off with a, I thought, oh, no, shoulder, he's out, you know, maybe he's even done. Uh, and can you imagine the anticlimax? Anyway, um, uh, and it did not look good the way he was holding his arm when he went off at the end of the second, but the third period, uh, the first thing the camera showed was Kane lining up for the face-off, and he didn't appear any of the worst for uh, any of the worst for wear, and uh, three shots, seven hits, two takeaways, a goal, and assist, plus two. Not bad. You know? Not, not bad at all. That's, I guess that's what they're looking for, and uh, that's what they got in this game. I didn't think it was a perfect game from him, but it was a good game. He he's not well. We don't really know what he has yet. Like he's, I think he's still got a considerable amount of rust mm-hmm. on him. So I'm not, yeah. you know, he's in, he, but he doesn't. He's no Glenn Anderson out there, right? Like he's playing more of the Craig Simpson game. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what he brings um, overall. But if if you play that Craig Simpson game well, which for people who don't remember, Craig Simpson is like tough at the net, really tough at the net, smart hockey player with the puck, protecting the puck, making plays. 
smart defensive hockey player. So those are the, that would be the, not, and not, not particularly fast or flashy. That's mm-hmm. Craig Simpson, but right. really, really effective. And maybe we'll see that from Kane. So uh, it's what we saw. I thought we got a glimpse of that tonight. Hopefully we'll, we'll get more of it. What's your other good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, broaden uh, from Nugent Hopkins to the entire special teams who essentially had a perfect night. They had uh, 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 one whole one whole opportunity on the power play, one count them one chance on the power play, but for a change, it was the first power play of the game, which almost never happens lately. Almost every game, the Oilers get the first penalty, but tonight they didn't. And they'd already taken a 2 nothing lead when Tom Wilson, I thought, viciously, dirtily slew-footed uh, Jesse Pugliarvi to the ice and then came up whining at the official about the penalty that he's, you know, I hated that play. I thought Pugliarvi could have been hurt on that. And it was, it was I hated Wilson, by Wilson's Wilson. reaction. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. It's like his yeah. whining. After like if I'm the ref, dirty, I pee that up right away. Say, so, yeah, you're lucky I didn't give you five, but I sure can give you four. Yeah. Get dirty, lost. <laughs> dirty slew foot. I mean, it was a slew foot. Yeah. Took, oh, yeah. He took, he took his, his leg skate off from right off the ice. What a right jerk. off the ice, and then he kicked his feet up for his back of his leg out from under him. Brutal. Anyway, uh, the orders made him pay for that transgression, which is the best possible revenge for a cheap penalty. I always used to say, hit him where it hurts, in the net. And that's where they hit him with a, with a, a power play. Had one shot tonight on its one chance, and that one shot went in the net when Connor McDavid banked it in off of uh, starting goalie Ilya Samsonov who immediately headed for the bench with a 250 save percentage on the night. Three three goals on four shots. Uh, but uh, they made that uh, that count. Really, really smart play by McDavid. He definitely knew what he was doing there with that bank shot. And so that was it for the power play. But then the penalty kill uh, had to do a fair bit of work after that with uh, three penalties to kill in the last 25 minutes of a close game. And not only did they kill them all off, not only did they prevent uh, uh, Washington from getting a single shot on three power plays, which is the second time that's happened lately. Three power plays, no shots against. But the, the uh, great big cherry on top was the uh, uh, shorthanded goal on that last penalty kill. So on the night, the Oilers had one shot on the power play and it went in. They had two shots on the penalty kill, with one being Hyman's original shot and then the rebound that was cashed for the goal. And Washington special teams had no shots at all, despite having six minutes of power play versus 49 seconds of penalty kill. So you have to score that as a major win for Edmonton. And all the griping that I and others have been doing about the uh, special teams not getting the job done for the last 12, those facts remain on file. But now maybe we're starting a new page in that file where the special teams are going to start to uh, contribute in a positive way again. And we all know it's long overdue, but it's sure good to see it actually happen. I liked uh, they had Puglia-Yarvi out on their power play. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I note that uh, he won the puck. Um, mm-hmm. They kicked off the virtuous cycle leading mm-hmm. to McDavid's goal. And um, he's a really underrated power play performer, maybe even by his own coach. Because uh, <laughs> he should be out there a lot. Like he's... Those screens that Pulley Arby sets and his puck winning, it's mm-hmm. it's fundamental to the Oilers' 
success that they've had on the power play. You know, they've been a little cold as of late, but he's mm-hmm. he's a fine hockey player out like there. Like a young there. Alex Chason. <laughs> exactly, Bruce. And you know how much I, we both loved Alex Chason. Yeah, well, same thing, so. Yeah, same, same, same thing. Work away yeah. from the puck, creating space, uh, winning puck retrieval, screening the crap out of the goalie. Those three things. I think he's um, a little better at the puck retrievals. Maybe not quite as good at the screens yet, but he, he mm-hmm. will be. But the puck, that's where he has something over chase on because he's a faster a skater. Quicker, and a, a little quicker. A little quicker and a bit, ra- like a bit ranger, I think, a little bit longer uh, in the arms. All right. Uh, anyway, and he also drew that penalty, by the way, David, as well as, uh, as well as getting the time on the power play. He earned the power play in the first place. Maybe he was rewarded for that. Uh Bruce, my good thing is just a single play, a single moment that uh, was just a really important moment. We all know the Oilers' inability to get the first goal, how it's haunted them. They got the first goal a minute 30 into the game tonight, and um, it was a very nice sequence. Um, Ryan McLeod made an excellent backhand pass off the boards to break the puck out. Goes to Cody Ceci. He takes it down the wing, who makes an excellent um, centering pass but the play that like leon dry settles stick play mm-hmm. on that, where he he kind of tapped it and you know reversed the sent the puck in the opposite direction you know the the, the, the momentum of the goalie every the play's all going one way and he just put it back against that momentum and and uh, put it in the net that way what a fabulous skill play by leon dry settle and um just one of many he's such a fantastic offensive hockey player and uh he he demonstrated that on that goal that was that was a crucial goal for the Oilers and a, a lovely play reminded me of one of those soccer goals where you where the guy chips the goaltender from right in yeah. close you're right it just gets one touch and it's just up and over and it doesn't have to even go on very hard but it has to, you know, has to beat the goalie right away, and then it can take its time settling into the net, and that's exactly what it did. And that was a very subtle and sublime touch of the puck by uh, by Leon. Or and Tiger on, on Woods, give and go, yeah, a flop shot. Tiger Woods with a wedge. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, it was. You're right. That's they do score those kind of goals in soccer. Of course, Leon's from Germany, like one of the great mm-hmm. soccer powers on earth, yeah. and. I don't know if he played the game or not. He must have. They all. Well, I, I, you know, we watched it, and yeah. I've been saying for years, David, even on this podcast, but not for a while, that all these complaints about Leon's body language. I look at him, and he reminds me of a European striker in, in soccer <laughs> when the play goes the other way, and he needs to unlearn it, and he still hasn't. But uh, it's, uh, I'm sure, influence. Who here? Well, his play reminds me of. I think I've remarked on this before. Who was that great German midfielder? Briegel was his name. Mm-hmm. Great big guy who played for Germany in Hans Peter Briegel. Okay. Played for the German national team in the nineties, and he was just as he was this force out there, absolute forceful player, bigger, stronger than the other players, and just but highly skilled, and um, able to you know win the ball and protect the ball and. That's that. From the second I saw Dreisel, I just I always had this image in my head of of him being that player on the ice. So I don't know. I guess Leon's not. Le, uh, Briegel played in the '90s, and he's 65 now. I'm seeing on Wikipedia. Right. Uh, so Leon, that's probably before Leon's time. I'm guessing to watch uh, soccer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Bruce, let's move on to our 
bad thing. Mm. What's your bad thing? Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, really, the way the Oilers played with the lead, but I'll single in on Evan Bouchard's turnover pass with the three nothing lead, and just a, a, a very careless exit pass that went right onto the tape of uh, of uh, Capital just inside the blue line. Unfortunately, uh, his partner Darnell Nurse saw Bouchard passing the puck and anticipated it going up ice. So he took like one step away from the net front and he couldn't get back there in time to clean up the, the mess because it went right from Bouchard to Justin Schultz to Lars Eller, who put it in the back of the net. And uh, they were talking on the broadcast about who was going to get the second assist on the play. And I'm thinking Bouchard, if anybody gets the second assist on that goal, it's got to be Bouch. Uh, he did make up for it later with a key play on the on the uh, on the winner, even though they officially haven't given him assist on that. Hmm. I wonder about that. Maybe he checked the guy's stick. Whatever. I, I think he. I think he may have done that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I. That's what I think anyway, I saw. Either way, nonetheless, he checked it right out of the zone and right into a good place. So. Yeah. But uh, that that mistake, but just the. Their inability to lock down a game, like I commented on this in my number last game, that they, they were up to 25 now, 26 games in a row, giving up multiple goals. And you'd think a three-goal lead against a tired team, played last night, won it in the 65th minute, had to come home from Pittsburgh. They're missing, they lost their star player before the game started, Alex Ovechkin, to uh, uh, positive COVID test. Already missing two other of their top scorers in uh, T.J. Oshie and Anthony Mantha. You know they're down a few courts, Washington. And when you got them down three nothing, you know what they they couldn't finish the job offensively, and they couldn't batten down the hash, hatches defensively. And that game was very much there for the taking. And arguably, Washington should have been the team taking it, but. Uh, in the end, it'll be us taking the two points, and uh, we'll take them. My bad things just completely aligns with your own. I, I thought, like, the, def- the defensemen were all caught out on a number of mistakes this game, except for Logiston, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But they were often put in a really tough spot by the forwards. And it just struck me that the forwards were just running around all over the place in their own zone. You know, they were deserting the slot constantly. And, or they were all, you know, they'd be, you know, rushing into the corners and and then the puck goes flying out to the point and there's no one covering the point. I mean, that's what happened um, on the one goal there where Duncan Keith um, turned it over. Like he, he, it was a desperation play in the slot. Yeah. He turns it over. It's, you know, it's a tough turnover. It's not a terrible play to get it out of there. But there's no one covering the point. So it just goes right back in, you know, and it's because... Mm-hmm. It's because what I don't know, like Pulleyarvi and the other ones are running around on, the, on that particular play, and I don't want to single out Yessa Pulleyarvi in particular. There was lots of players, McDavid, Drysital, a lot of the big name players were involved in multiple multiple mistakes in that forty five minute run that we've talked about, and um, not good. I mean, they got they were lucky to win this game because. Um, and and you know Miko Koskinen obviously had a had a good game, and um, they got some puck luck. 
but they were lucky to win it. And I, I really think it's because the forwards were undisciplined and not um, covering their positions in the defensive zone in large part. So what's your number? Uh, I'm going to go with 15 to 2. And we've talked at some length about the Oilers' inability to score the first goal very often. Well, they got it tonight, and they jumped out to a 3 nothing lead that was 3-1 at the end of the first period. Well, in the last 32 games, the Oilers have scored the first goal five, count them, five times. But those five times that they scored the first goal, they outscored the other team 15-2 in the first period. Twice they jumped to 4 nothing leads uh, against Columbus and Chicago. Uh, at Vegas, they jumped ahead 2-0 uh, in the first, 3-0 in the second. They hung on to win 3-2. Uh, and the other game also it was 2-0 after the first period. And when they score first, they're great. Like, they're undefeated for the entire season. I think they're up to 12-0-0 now. I mean, they haven't scored first very damn often, as we, as we painfully know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they have... Uh, uh, when When... During this whole long, horrendous stretch, when they just those rare times, they score the first goal, and it's just like they've blown the cork, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 pucks are going in the net left and right, and it's it's baffling. And in the They're, just just to balance the scales, in the 27 games where they gave up the first goal, they were outscored 14-4 and 33 against in the first periods of those games. This so, is the weirdest team. <laughs> this, is, this is the weirdest team. This is the weirdest Oilers team I've ever seen by far. They are a weird hockey. And, and I just was thinking of this the, the other night after, I think it was the Ottawa game. Like, what is going on with this team? They're just so hard to figure out. They're just, you know, coming out like gangbusters and then losing like gangbusters. And even in games they win, they're up and down and all over the place. And, you know, they have players who have incredible offensive plays, but then massive blunders in their own zone. Um, defensemen streaking up and down in terms of their performance. It is a goalies streaking up and down in terms of their performance. It is a com- utterly inconsistent hockey team. It's, I think, fair to say. <laughs> I think it's a fair yeah, comment. That's, that's very fair. It's the most inconsistent hockey team I have ever seen. And, I, you know, mainly I just watch the Oilers, so it's not like I have this broad expanse of knowledge of all NHL teams over the last 50 years. But I've never seen a team like this and uh, who knows where it's going to end up. If they can just get, you know, bottle that stuff that's happening in games like this in those first five minutes, you know, they weren't that great though. In the first, it was like one kind of good play. Like it wasn't like they were dominating and storming the capitals necessarily. They just got some goals on really high skill plays like a cane tip and uh, mm-hmm. which is a big skill play and dry settles great play that we've already talked about and then a beautiful power play goal where mcdavid puts it in off the goalie like he's so smart so yeah bruce it's a strange team my number is 11 out of 12 now you will we will all recall not too long ago um after the oilers lost two games first six four to the senators on january 15th and then six nothing to the panthers on thursday january 20th um we're like 12 days from there there um 13 days from there everyone i think if you had polled oiler fans on the friday is there going to be a major move like are they going to fire the coach or get a trade for a goalie 
I bet you, like, I was fully expecting one of those two things to happen on the Friday before the, they played the Flames the next night. And neither did. Neither did. And since that time, they've played six games and they've taken 11 out of 12 points. The only point they lost was in the overtime to Ottawa where they got the loser point. 11 out of 12 points after that absolute down moment of the season. So um, it's obviously too, too early to say that Ken Holland got that right in that moment not to do something. But it's trending up. <laughs> it's safe to say that it's trending up. And he did do something, of course. He brought in Evander Kane, um, which he, you know, that deal had been uh, perking along and was in the, it, it was, we don't know if it was a done deal by that point, but it was certainly looking like it was, you know, it was highly rumored to, to be going to happen. So maybe he was thinking that was going to happen and see what happens after that. But 11 out of 12 points, this is huge for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, that's for sure. They are now, um, let me just go to the standings. Um, they're still fifth in the Pacific uh, Division, but in terms of points percentage, they are, wait for it, they're fourth. So um, Vegas is at 620, Calgary's at 610, LA's at 585, and the owners are at 583. Uh, then just behind Edmonton is Anaheim at uh, 573. And then San Jose is at 522. So it looks like down the stretch, Bruce, it looks like five teams are going to battle. Is it for the four teams make it out of this division? Top three and then two wild cards between the fourth and fifth place teams in the two divisions, okay. Central and Pacific. All right. Looking at the points totals, looks like four teams are definitely coming out of the Western Um division central oh no it's called wet oh no western conference central division you're right yeah four teams are definitely coming out of them colorado nashville minnesota and st louis and other than that dallas might they're at 558 winning percentage Mm -hmm. so it looks like four out of the five teams may make it out of the west that a pacific uh, division as well so we'll see the orders are right in the mix and they needed to they needed to go on that string to get into into the mix. They're right back in the mix. They're they're hanging in there. It's not like the other teams are dropping a lot of points necessarily. So, mm, it's not. so it's it's going to be a good battle. Uh, but the Oilers are in it, and there's more good news coming because it looks like after well, I shouldn't even say this. Like how many times have we waited for Mike Smith to come back? I mean, it's like it's like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football at this point, honestly. So, it really is. So. Um, Maybe he's coming back. Maybe he's not. If he does, that's a huge boost for the team. And, um, you know, Holland has one or two trades up his sleeve, I'm sure, because he's got some assets he can move, which is going to happen. And there's Dylan Holloway waiting in the wings, too. So, possibly. David, I have to revise my number. It's 18-2 to two in the six first periods. I forgot. I wrote this column on Saturday morning. And that night, they already scored three in the first against Montreal. Now they've done the same against Washington. So they've scored six, six first goals in the last 33 games, and they got 4 nothing lead on Chicago, 2 nothing on Vegas, 2-1 on Pittsburgh, 4 nothing on Columbus, 3 nothing on Montreal, 3-1 on Washington. It's like gushers of goals when they score first. Should do that more often. 
Indeed. Indeed. So we'll see what happens here, Bruce. Um, Dylan Holloway has five points in five games. And I'm not, not mm-hmm. listen, I'm not for any fans who are thinking, oh, you're jacking this guy up and like he, you're expecting him to be the hockey messiah. No, I'm not. I, I, I do think he has a chance, though, to play on the fourth line or the third line yep. on the wing and and add a lot because he's so fast and he's so physical and he gets in there on the forecheck and he's got some skill. I'm not counting on the skill to come shining through this first little stint. I am counting on the energy, though, like the uh, that incredible energy that he brings to the game. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that develops. He's been down there for again for five games. I guess Broberg's been out, eh? Philip Broberg's been out. Yeah, he uh, tested positive. Oh, that's what it expect- is. He's expected to come back, uh, uh, according to. Uh, Coach Jay Woodcroft, he's expected to be back for their next games. So, okay, sounds like he's come through the the uh, uh, issue with uh, flying colors. From the sounds of it. Did Brad Malone ever remember that? There was that rumor, like on that Friday, that I was talking about where they were gonna like sign him or trade for goalies. They were gonna sign Brad Malone, and then he mm-hmm. got there was some kind of COVID thing going on, and he didn't get signed. Did he ever get he signed? Got, he got COVID, and no, he didn't get signed, and he's still stuck on 199 NHL games, and that probably he probably would have played his 200th that next day, but it didn't happen. But that was right at the lowest point after they'd been thumped by Florida six to nothing, and we're thinking, well, Holland's either going to fire the coach or trade for a goalie, and he he the first rumor is he's going to sign Brad Malone to an NHL contract, and then they can't even do that. And you're wondering, boy, the is Team Starcrossed or what? Uh, yeah, the groan heard around the the world was Oilers fans hearing that Ken Holland was saw, sh- shaking things up by trying to sign Brad <laughs> Malone. And all due respect to Brad Malone, who is a hardworking player he and is. a fan, fantastic AHL hockey player. He really is. Like, and it, uh, that Bakersfield team is is a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming on. I, I, you know, they're battling hard for a playoff spot. We'll see how, if they can make That's- it. Seth Griffith, Player of the Month, David, 18 points in nine games. And he's on NHL minimum contract. And so, yet yeah, he's been down there all year while Kyle Turris has been up here. And you wonder a little bit. but Cuckoo got sent down there. Eh? Like, is Tur- Was Turris actually sent down there as well, or is he on the taxi squad? <sighs> yeah, the taxi squad is supposedly going to wrap up after the All-Star break. Like, there won't oh, okay. be any more. So expect a flurry of of actual player movement as opposed to waivers and sort of reassignments to, you know, because the guy doesn't really go anywhere. Like, as far as I understand, Colton Sevier is still practicing with the team and everything. But at a certain point, they'll have a 23-man roster and they'll have to do something different with those guys. And that's as of right after the All-Star break when they're also going to change their testing protocols. So it's it's going to uh, uh, eventually manifest into real player movement are they playing Devin Shore with Ryan now now that Sevier's not that's that's my recollection is that correct you recall uh sure on the, on the PK on oh, the PK uh, I mean sure tonight yeah sorry uh I think it's Shore and Ryan if I'm not mistaken uh, with Ryan yes yeah yeah so so yeah, Shore I, Shore's a high energy player on the PK and he's got mm-hmm. and again he's he's got a lot like he's got longer arms longer stick like he's more rangy than than Sevier, so maybe that'll work out. I don't. I mean, I haven't minded Devin Shaw on the PK. Maybe that'll work with with Derek mm-hmm. Ryan. It sure wasn't working in the end between Ryan and Sevier together. So, 
Yeah, well, tonight it was Hyman 316, Nuge uh, 312, uh, Shore 233, Ryan 221. And by the time you add all that up, you've got two forwards for most of the six minutes. And then Dryside, uh, Yamamoto, and McDavid had a you know handful of seconds. Yeah. Each. But that was the, uh, uh, there are the two main units. And tonight, uh, uh, they're all going to get a plus on their grades for, just for their penalty killing work. It, yeah, it's um, it's amazing to me that they've kept Evan Bouchard there all year because I think he went through a fairly bad time as, of it as well. But he, you know, he he's he's had good moments on the PK as well. Like there are things he does very well, mm-hmm. gobbling up loose puck and pucks and sending them down the ice um, is a particular strength. But he's they're they're sticking with him. Very, it's fa- that's fascinating to me, and. Um, I'll have to take. I haven't really taken a close look at the PK all year long in terms of like the grade A scoring chance numbers that we right. take. Like who's leaking mm-hmm. the, the the chances against? I got to do that, and maybe I'll do that uh, during the All Star break. No. Well, Bruce, let's. Are you doing the game grades? I, I thought it was Kurt. Oh, okay, well I'll let you go then. Let's. I'll let you get at it. So. All right. Thanks. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.